0: Welcome to Storehouse Dallas. Gosh, I'm just like kneeled down next to Patricia over there, just crying my eyes out. My goodness. Wow. We uh, just flew in from Tennessee. We were ministering there this weekend and uh, just outran that storm. I didn't bring the storm; we outran it. <laughs> okay, I want to make that very clear. We, they hit the accelerator on the airplane and we just dove in right before it. So we're grateful to uh, grateful to be here. I have a lot uh, stirring in me and on me tonight, and uh, just want to be sensitive to what the Spirit of God wants to do at this gathering. Uh, for me personally, I have been on a journey in this COVID-19 era of just trying to be faithful with the particular burdens that God has given me. And because we're doing so much traveling and so much preaching, sometimes I'll run with something for a week or two and then it will lift off of me and I have another fresh set of encounters that I'm, I'm running with And I really feel I have a burden for this nation, and then I have a burden for the church at large. And so sometimes when I minister, I feel like we're shifting things in the nation, and then other times I I feel that that we're speaking uh, directly to the church. And so I really feel like tonight um, this is going to be geared toward uh, the church of Jesus Christ, uh, the remnant, the consecrated bride. And so I just want to ask for the Holy Spirit's help to awaken us and enlighten us. Uh, We did ship some product um, in the lobby, uh, a couple of books um, that I've written recently, Judgment on the House of God, Cleansing and Glory is Coming. Uh, Patricia King wrote the forward um, also Trump and the Future of America Mario Marillo wrote that forward I just want to encourage you if there's any way that we could resource your journey please see Claudia uh, in the lobby well let's let's pray father we thank you we thank you that you are escorting I see you just walking us, your bride, down the aisle. I see Jesus, our bridegroom king, down at the altar. I see the Holy Spirit ready to officiate the wedding. Father, we ask for a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of who you are. Father, We want to know you as sons and daughters in this hour. Jesus, we want to know you as bridegroom, king, as Lord, as lion and lamb. Holy Spirit, we want to know you as the comforter. We want to know you as the healer. We want to know you as the one, the only one that can take us deep in God. Lord, I pray, Lord, let revelation light break into the atmosphere tonight. We pray that you would reveal the mysteries of your kingdom to us. Lord, we ask that you would take us deeper. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you have your Bibles, would you turn to Revelation chapter 19. Revelation chapter 19. I just want to look at a couple of verses here and then I'm going to jump into Luke 14. I believe that during this COVID-19 era that God is releasing a divine reset in the church I believe with the, every fiber in my being that God is calling out to the bride And he is saying to us, you cannot go back to business as usual. I feel almost like a Jeremiah 2 weeping on me as we're traveling and as I'm encountering the Lord. God is saying to America, come away from your religious cisterns. reconsider your ways. And so I have such an intensifying burden in me that there is a window of time that God has released since March that the earth is ripe to snatch up and out every single person we can snatch them up out of the religious cisterns, and then try to bring them to the well who is Jesus Christ. And so I believe that there's a tension right now in America concerning religious cisterns that so many have drank from that are dry and stale, And then he is releasing a clarion call. I believe that much like Haggai and Zechariah, God is stirring up prophets in this hour with the same anointing that Haggai and Zechariah had to stir up the spirit of Zerubbabel in the land. And I believe that God is calling prophets to stir up pioneers, reformers. Are you guys ready for this message? Stirring up reformers, pioneers, and apostles. Whenever the work of the Lord is suspended it is delayed, or it is going in the wrong direction, God begins to call on his prophets to sound the alarm, to blow the trumpet, to begin to stir up the pioneer. So, the cry in that second temple era, with Haggai and Zechariah, they said, how are we so comfortable in our houses, yet the House of the Lord lies in ruins. I'm telling you the American church is lying in ruins. We just got exposed i believe that COVID 19 has been used to expose the foundations of the american church how we have built so many models off of personalities and giftings and what the spirit of god is going to do is he is going to give birth to an entire new system structure pattern media prayer room mega house i don't think it's it's so much about the the wine skin as it is the new wine there's houses of glory that are about to emerge in the earth You might have tried church, but you haven't tried Jesus. This is the deepest ache in me right now. You meet so many people burned out, disillusioned with church, and they've never tried Christ. And what we're going to see in the earth coming out of this era is a lovesick bride who has met with her lover, the bridegroom king. And there's going to be a romance. There's going to be a fragrance. There's going to be a spiritual violence. There's going to be a wholehearted abandonment where we will do for love what we would never do for religion. Hope you're awake tonight, Dallas. How you doing? Let's just close our eyes for a second. Jesus, we love you. There's none like you. Yours is the kingdom. Yours is the power. Yours is the glory. Do you know where that's found? Revelation 12. Just track with me. We'll never have the fullness of the kingdom, we'll never have the fullness of the power. We'll never have the fullness of the authority until the accuser of the brethren has been cast down. Every time we sing that song, I love it, and there's a tangible anointing, but the reason why that's not manifested in the body of the Lord is because the accuser of the brethren fills his house. I want to encourage prophets and prophetic people and intercessors that Jesus loves his bride. Doesn't take a whole lot of gifting to point at her right now and say that she's unlovely. What's wrong with the church and what's wrong with pastors and what's wrong? And we accuse and we accuse and we judge and we accuse and then we wonder why the fullness of the power and the authority and the kingdom is not demonstrated in our midst. God is calling a remnant in America to learn how to build. God is calling those who are hungry to do more than point out problems. It's time to release solutions. We're moving into an era where just being good at identifying problems prophetically isn't going to get us anywhere. But up out of this era, God is going to release builders and reformers and pioneers and creators and innovators and people that will just let what they build be their criticism. See, you don't need to point the finger if what you've built speaks for itself. How we doing? He loves his bride. Love what Francis Frangipane says: We know we have no right to judge the church unless we're willing to die for her. It's quiet in here. You there, Revelation 19, verse 7 through 9. I believe that in the midst of all that we're talking about tonight, I want to begin to speak into this remnant, this glorious bride, what it's going to take, what it's going to look like to bring change in our culture. And in Revelation chapter 19, verse 7, it says, Rejoice and be glad and give the glory to him. For the marriage of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. In 2018, the most life changing encounters of my life where. Jesus Christ came into my bedroom, and He came and He put His finger right in my chest, and He said to me, I don't know about apostles, prophets, teachers, pastors, and evangelists, but I have called you as an end-time messenger to prepare my bride to meet the bridegroom. Now, just for the sake of questions, I don't believe Jesus was questioning fivefold ministry. He was addressing a personal pursuit that I had been on for many years, trying to figure out which one of the five I was. And he was saying to me, None of that matters right here, right now. I'm marking you, I'm stamping you for eternity was the second time that he came to me, the first time was in 2010. We're talking about the fairest of 10,000. We're talking about the most beautiful man that has ever lived and that will ever live. There's a transformative presence that's around him that changes everything. And in this encounter, he said to me, Jeremiah, many know the lamb that went to Calvary, but few know the lion who is returning to devour his father's enemies. Many know the lamb who went to Calvary... But few know the lion who is returning to devour his father's enemies. Began to ask me if he could entrust me with this message and with this mandate. I was later interviewed on a radio station. They said, Jeremiah, you preach a lot about the fear of the Lord. Can you give us a definition And it's out of my personal encounters with Him that I would just simply define the fear of the Lord as this. Beauty that makes you tremble. There's an experiential beauty, a total other than in His presence that causes us to bend and tremble because we're in the presence of the son of god the one who created heaven and earth there's a realm of encounter that i believe god wants to release to his bride in this hour where there is a depth of love and relationship honor, and reverence that will literally stun the world around us, especially religion. And God is going to raise up a lovesick bride in the earth that has locked eyes with a bridegroom king. As Misty Edwards once said, he's not a baby in a manger anymore. This is more than our homeboy. This is a glorious, is why I was was weeping tonight as we were singing, and his presence was filling the atmosphere. And I was just pouring out my heart to this beautiful man. He loves his bride. Before he comes for his bride, he is coming to his bride. We don't know when he'll come. But I do know this, there's a bride that's going to make herself ready. And he wants to teach us how to intentionally prepare for that great day. And it was given to her in verse 8, to clothe herself in fine linen, bright and clean. For the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. And he said to me, "'Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb.'" And he said to me, "'These are true words of God.'" I believe that this is an eternal storyline that God desperately wants to connect the global church to, there is more than you enhancing your gifts and your calling for whatever purpose. There's actually even more than revival and awakening. I remember getting hit with that reality one day, and it was heartbreaking. Because I had made my entire ministry about wanting to see a third great awakening in America. And the Lord said to me, Jeremiah, even if all the blind saw, even if all the cripples walked, there would still be an ache inside of you. There will always be a void inside of your life Until you meet me face to face... So I actually believe that revival and awakening, therefore, is simply a foretaste. It's simply a preview of what it's going to be like when we dine with Him forever. There's a groan for our resurrected bodies that's meant to awaken you and keep you alert in the midst of... Of a world that's an American dream in the midst of a religious church culture that's convinced you you're okay with God as long as you go through three songs and 20 bucks in the offering. There is so much more that Jesus Christ has died and now is sitting at the right hand of the Father making intercession for us. There is so much more that He is preparing for His consecrated bride in the earth. He's going to deliver us from dead, dry, stale religion where we have become domesticated. It's been driving me crazy lately how good we serve the devil, but how poor we serve God. How loud the devil is shouting in America, and how quiet the church is. There is a consequence created bride that is going to prepare herself for far more than whatever comes next for far more than an awakening there's an eternal storyline that God wants to catch you up in tonight There's a holy imagination and a fascination that God wants to mark you with where you literally daydream about this wedding. Where when He comes again, He's not coming to ruin your party. He's coming to start the real one. folks there's hooks in us there's hooks in us from the world there are things that have our affection and our attention I dare say even in the church, we have become more loyal to men and ministries than we have the Lord Jesus Christ. I said that we're in a season of divine reset where God has shut down the global church so that up out of this era might arise a consecrated bride who has met with her lover in the secret place and she is not ashamed to be in love in public I mean I'm talking about celebrating mom and dad who make out in front of the kids There's a romance. There's a... There's a and it's this Jeremiah thing. I remember the devotions of your youth. And he's crying out in chapter 2, asking the people, what did you find wrong with God that you've chosen to chase after other lovers? Why are you drinking from the broken cisterns of religion? Would you please just come and get in the well? But we want new and think old. We desire something fresh, something cutting edge, Our ministry gets the emails like 8,000 a day. Not really. Jeremiah, I live in such and such a place and they tell us that there's no church that loves Jesus within a 100 miles of them. Brother, I just can't find anywhere that actually lets the Spirit move. Brother, I, I can't. And I believe among the remnant who are desiring to be a part of this bride. We want something fresh. We want new wine with our lips, but our actions aren't following through. I learned in 10 years of pastoring that the easiest way to disarm complaints is to actually ask people to be a part of the solution. So if the carpet is nasty and green and you're upset about it and you go to pastor, pastor just says, would you like to pay for the carpet? And they walk out. All these false prophets in the church and all these scammers. People, well, brother, when are the false prophets going to stop prophesying? Are you ready? When you stop feeding them. We have become part of the problem by just giving lip service to wanting something new and being able to recognize that what's around us needs a reset But my question tonight from heaven is, what price are you willing to pay to forsake and break ties with any other lovers, including religious structures and systems that do not welcome the presence of God? And then, who's ready to build? well, brother, there's no church in my area that loves Jesus. Well, praise God, that's why you're there. Start a church. If we could just disarm half of of the murmuring and complaining and accusation among the remnant, we could actually begin to build and sacrifice. And like I said earlier, we wouldn't have to point to what's wrong because by God's grace, we already created the solution. we doing? Lord, I want to be a part of your bride. I want to prepare myself for the wedding day. I want to get caught up in an eternal storyline. See, it's difficult because people are already burned out on going to church once a week. Brother, I already tried religion. They worked me over. They saw a gift and a call, and I've been a church slave for years. But hear me. You'll do for love what you would have never done for religion. Actually, when you encounter the eternal storyline, and you get caught up in this kind of love sickness I'm talking about, you'll run faster and you'll give more than you ever did serving in religion. See, I feel like the Lord in this hour is trying to pull people out of the ditch. Where we literally went from being slaves in the house of God, never knowing that God is our Father, that now we would never dare darken any church or listen to any man. The only thing we did is overcorrect. Or how we sowed big money into ministries years ago, and we got burned, and now we wouldn't dare give a single dollar to a ministry. God wants to come in this hour and in this era and begin to speak to His people and bring healing and bring restoration. And He wants to speak to the motivations of why. See, you didn't burn out because you served too much. You didn't burn out because you gave too much. You burned out because of why you served and why you gave. It was the motivation that sought performance and pleasure that caused you to burn out. That's why Jesus said, when you give, when you fast, being part of God's kingdom, he never made these things optional. Why? Because Jesus, I, I tell people all the time, I believe Jesus actually admired the devotion of the Pharisees. We make Pharisees and religious leaders out to be 100% bad. I actually believe Jesus admired their devotion, and this is why he said to his disciples, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees, you cannot inherit eternal life. What was the righteousness of the Pharisees? It's quiet in here. They gave. They fasted. But it wasn't about them giving and fasting. Here was the problem. They did it to be seen by men. So just because we fasted and we prayed and we gave and then we got free from the law and religion or whatever people are, it didn't give us permission and a license to stop serving and stop giving. It was actually an invitation to encounter the love of the Father where we stopped serving for love and we stopped and we start serving from love. We're stomping on some toes tonight. It's like finances. Brother, I've been delivered from 10%. I don't have to tithe anymore. I, I've been all those scamming preachers and prosperity trying to take my money. I've been delivered. I'm under grace let me ask you a question if under the law in my own strength the requirement was 10% are you now telling me being freed from my own strength now I'm in the new covenant under grace and I've got his strength are you telling me that his strength is weaker than my strength No, I'm actually going to tell you. I always tell people, praise God. Yes, I don't believe in tithing either. They're like, what? I thought you pastored a church. No, I don't believe in tithing. I believe in grace and giving. Because in grace and giving, 10% no longer becomes the, the maximum. It becomes the minimum. It's quiet in here. Uh oh. Brother, can you just get back to the consecrated bride? <laughs> no, but what I'm saying is that there's going to be a consecrated bride emerge in the earth with a revelation that lovers always outwork workers. We think we're going to get away from sacrifice and obedience and radical commitment. Because brother, I'm done with religion. No, you're not done with religion. You're done with the orphan heart that lived inside of you. That sought to use ministry to please God. Because our identity has nothing to do with ministry. Our identity has to do with being sons and daughters to the Father. Trying to deliver somebody tonight. There's this glorious, this madly in love, hot love affair. I mean, the romance is public. I mean, it's amazing. The worship is off the charts. But it's fueled from the place of encounter. All right, how we doing? Can we go further? Luke 14. So Jesus comes, and I believe... Knowing the end, excuse me, from the beginning, he tells parables that allude to the wedding feast. He tells a parable that we're going to read tonight about a dinner. Remember, the bride will make herself ready for the wedding day. And then John says, Blessed are those who have been invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. God is inviting his bride to come and sup with him. He is inviting you and I into a deeper realm of encounter with him, where even how far religious service could have taken us, when we begin to get into an encounter with Him, we go further and we soar higher than we ever could have in religion. Luke 14, 16. But He said to him, A certain man was giving a big and he invited many. And at the dinner hour he sent his slave to say to those who had been invited, Come, for everything is ready now. I want to tell you that God has prepared a love encounter for his bride. God is inviting you and I in this hour... Out of the shallows and shadows of religious exercise done from a wrong heart, and he is inviting us into a table of encounter, and he's saying, I've got everything ready. There's nothing that I need to do on my end. I just need you to step forward. Verse 18, but they are began to make excuses can you turn to your neighbor and say excuses is anybody full of those tonight and they began to make excuses and the first one said I can't come because I want to smoke pot and the other one said I can't because I want to go to the bar and the other one said, I can't, Lord, because I just want to cheat on my wife. i telling you, we need the help of the Holy Spirit over the next few minutes. I don't want you to miss what the Spirit of God is saying to the remnant right now. There's an invitation Jesus is giving to these folks. There's an invitation that the bridegroom king is giving to his bride in this hour. He's saying, come. But all of a sudden, there's these excuses that they have, thank you, of why they can't come. And I'll tell you personally, these excuses have drawn me into, the, into one of the greatest frustrations of my life. I've been asking the Lord, why couldn't they have said big sin stuff? Why couldn't the reason why they couldn't RSVP to the wedding is because they were too busy being in love with the world. Because all of a sudden, I could look at it as a believer and say, yeah, that doesn't apply to me. But it says, no, I can't come because of a pair of oxen. I can't come because of a wife. I actually can't come because I own a piece of land and it has to be tended to. God is drawing the corporate church in a deeper encounter with his son, and many of the excuses that we have are limiting and hindering us from that deeper encounter. But before I talk about these excuses, here's what I believe God is saying. Our list of excuses of why we can't go deeper in God will always be long so long as... We do not have a revelation of the one who's called the dinner. And two, we do not recognize what he has prepared for those who love him. I believe that the church will be full of every excuse of why they can't go deeper in intimacy with Him so long as we're lacking a revelation of this glorious, beautiful, wonderful God. There's no one like You so long as we don't really know Him. And so long as we're clueless about what He has prepared for those who love Him, we will say no every time. Part of this has been an awakening to me. Because I've always wanted to attack the excuses. And I've always wanted to say, yeah, Brother, sister, let's address the excuses. But the problem with this is we address the fruits of disobedience without getting to the roots. You didn't hear me. When we begin to address disobedience and we talk to people about why they're not, if we don't get to the root of their behavior, we'll never see transformation. So I could still, the church needs to pray more, and the church needs to fast more, and the church needs to give. They they need to do all these things, and I can stir you up. See, I grew up around Lou Engle. There comes a time in your life when you just have to go for broke. I'm like, yeah, yeah. I mean, we we, we get fired up and we get zealous and, and we we go all in and then we burn out. And then we're roller coaster Christianity, and then we're full of shame and guilt and condemnation. When we only get to the excuses, the fruit of disobedience, and we never get to the heart, we will never see transformation. I can spank my child, I have four of them, and simply discipline their behavior, or I can pause and say, wait a minute, there's something in your heart that's not right. And if I don't address your heart, and I only, I'm trying to talk to somebody, if I don't address your heart, and I just discipline your action, we'll never see long-lasting change. So this is why A.W. Tozer, a prophet, arises in culture and says, what you think about God will ultimately define your entire life. Because we can go after more, more, more. But without an encounter of who Jesus really is, it's just religious striving. need a revelation of Jesus. It's My deepest ache in this hour, Lord, reveal the Son of Man to a generation. Not just knowing about God, I want to know God. Lord, I want to know a poor in spirit reality where I recognize my great need of Him. I have a brother and a Federal prison serving a long term prison sentence grew up in the church, sang the songs, quoted the scriptures, but never had an encounter with Jesus. I'm telling you, there are folks in America that go to church every Sunday that have never had an encounter with Him. And we can talk about the fruits of their disobedience or we can begin to speak to their heart and say, you know what, you need a fresh encounter. How are you praying for your prodigals? How are you praying for your lost sons and daughters? Well, Lord, just pray they quit smoking and drinking and fornicating. See, you're attacking the fruits of the disobedience. But you're not targeting the actual need for a transformation, a Saul to Paul, a Damascus one encounter changes everything. And the reason why we don't like to pray these prayers is because only God can do it. See, we want to get them on the phone and we want to manipulate them and we want to control them and we want to bribe them and we want to coerce them into obedience that only lasts for a moment. But an encounter with Jesus will change everything. This is why when we use entertainment in the church to draw people, we have to keep using entertainment to keep them. But if it's an encounter with the Son of Man that draws them into the kingdom, it will be an ongoing encounter with Him that will keep them for life. The role of church leadership is not to plug you into a program. The role of church leadership is to plug you into a man. His name is Jesus. This is why I'm jealous real conversions in this hour, because when people radically encounter Christ, it's all they know, but so many folks that get saved in the church, so many ex-druggies and alcohol, all these kinds of things, they come in and get domesticated by religion. The church becomes a bunch of orphans running an orphanage. Ex-addicts make the best church workers because they just traded their addiction to substance abuse to their addiction to church, and being addicted to church has nothing to do with being addicted to Christ. Folks, they, they get saved and then it's like, well, well, what, do we, what do we do with them? Make them a greeter, make them an usher, throw them on the worship team, let them preach. No, it's terrible. Folks, this is heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking. And then when they get disillusioned and burned out and they, 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 they become twice a son of hell. What would a real father, what would a real mother do? They would say, I see a gift and I need you to sit down. We're going to work on you because God is more interested in changing you than using you. You're not going to be the next cog in a ministry machine where we just crank the the wheel. How much more of what what we're doing in in many, it's not working. So God is exposing religious systems. He's using examples tonight through me to help alert us to religion always addresses the outside of the cup, but it will never touch the inside of the cup. And when a lovesick bride rises in the earth full of passion, full of zeal, full of giving, full of worship, it won't be because they have to, it will be because they get to. Oh, hallelujah. These excuses, they've haunted me for years. God, what are you saying? You know what he's saying? There's a place of going deep in God where he no longer wants our sin stuff. He actually wants our good stuff. See, the question that drives me crazy is what was so evil about a piece of land? What was so evil about an ox, about a wife? What was so evil about Isaac that God needed him? When messages come forth in the church, such as repentance and holiness, I believe that much of the church, we check our boxes. I don't need to repent and I don't need to go deeper because I'm not cheating on my wife. I'm good with God because I'm not committing some big sin. And what actually happens is we miss the invitation for a deeper level of encounter because we think God is talking about our sin when really He's talking about the gifts He's given you. Folks, I'm telling you, this is the power of religion in the American church. The Bible Belt churchianity. We sit together being delivered from our former lifestyles. And when repentance and holiness and deeper comes, I'm good. Because we don't think God is talking to us. What if the price tonight for you and I going deeper was not our sin stuff. It was our good stuff. And my, how we turn God's gifts into God's. We cry, Lord, I'll give anything. Lord, And again, where's the sin? Where's the sin? Where's the sin? When, when He's coming and here's a kingdom principle. The deeper we go in God, the less we can take with us. There is, a realm of encountering Him that will override what time it is and what's on your schedule. There is a place of experiencing His love and affection that will be more meaningful than you spending five nights a week on the ball field with your kids. Hello. Hello. I mean, I went to a youth rally, and I went after this thing that I'm talking about tonight, and the Spirit of God came and literally just wiped out, in a good way, a youth group. I mean, torched them for Jesus. And they encountered Christ in such a degree that they quit their sports teams... Out of their own volition and said, Mom and Dad, we've got to figure out a way to get into the place of encounter and sustain it. But see, the oh, we feel so bad for them. Oh, they're missing out on. No, folks, see, we were born for intimacy. We were born to live in a deeper place. We sit in these atmospheres and we wonder what we're missing out on out there when days are coming to the church where people out there are going to wonder what they're missing out on in here. I want to call you Tonight, out of whatever shallow, shadow form of Christianity that we have accepted, no matter how long that we've been saved, and encourage you, there is more. Bill Johnson says it like this Most people repent enough to get into heaven. But few people repent enough to experience heaven on earth. Hello. He's not trying to take your stuff. It's like, oh God, what does he want? It's what drives us away from intimacy. I'm happily married, and I promise you, I don't try to avoid my wife saying, oh God, what does she want? (laughs) I just use the example to people, you know, when I was in college, I was a, a bachelor, I was busy, I was working, I had friends... But all of a sudden, when I met my wife, my schedule was clear. Amazing. In an instant. I mean, it was what happened? There was a degree of encounter with her that delivered me in an instant from inferior desires. There's a realm of encountering God that is going to instantly deliver the church from a craving and a desire for far less than what we were created for. He loves His bride. He loves you tonight. Jesus is praying for you tonight. He's saying, Father, let them experience my love like we have together, Father. Let them know what it's like to have joy before you take up your cross. Folks, I'm just here to ban Miserable Christianity. We can't get anybody saved because they're looking at us. It's a joke. Thank you. I just dream of this vibrant, radical, sick on fire. Wholehearted abandonment. There's nothing, good things, bad things, everything's on the table. Lord, all I am is yours. How did they get there? They're in love with a man. Three different stages of love, if you want to take notes. There's fear-based love. There's duty-based love. And then there's affection-based love. You can serve God out of fear by fearing that you're going to go to hell. Preachers can tell you that if you don't give in the offering, you'll be cursed. A lot of people try to obey God out of fear. They fear Him in an unhealthy way. Then most of us, we know duty-based love. Where we just serve God out of obligation. It's the right thing to do. My mom and dad encourage me. I- I'm just here because I'm supposed to. But then there's this affection based obedience that I believe is the highest form of obedience in the kingdom, it's the most sustaining available to you and I where Jesus says it like this, If you love me, then you will obey my commands. It's an obedience that's birthed from intimacy. Intimacy. When we preach obedience, when we beat people over the head with the law and the word of the Lord, when we preach obedience apart from intimacy, it produces religious slaves. So many people have been enslaved to dead, dry, stale religion because they are trying to serve God outside of an encounter with Him. If you hear a message on holiness and repentance and you're aware that something in your life isn't right, Can I encourage you out of experience not to run down at the altar and pound your fists and attack your disobedience? Can I rather encourage you to get down on your knees like blind Bartimaeus and say, Son of David, have mercy upon me. Lord, remove the scales. Remove the blinders from my eyes. Because Jesus, when I see you and I experience you, I get delivered from all inferior affections. It's a vision of the bridegroom king that's going to awaken the bride in this hour. You can motivate, if you want to be a public speaker, folks, you can motivate people, you can guilt trip people, you can shame people, or you can speak a language of intimacy here's why we don't like to preach it. It takes longer. We would rather manipulate and control people and shame them to get quick results. But it only lasts for a while. But if we speak the language of intimacy and encounter and we invite a generation into it, it might take a little while, but they'll stay longer. How we doing? The Holy Spirit takes us deep in God. He's our escort. Holy Spirit, take me deeper. Holy Spirit, I recognize that there are gifts in my life. Maybe there's even sin in my life that is standing in the way. Folks, I, I don't know another lifestyle. When I don't feel the fire of God it's because nothing's on the altar. I, I don't know a life of not giving something extravagantly. I'm even to the point where when I get an abundance, I just start giving away. When God starts blessing me financially, I just start giving money away. Why? There's a joy, there's an experience, there's an encounter that's freed me from a poverty lifestyle. I'm talking about hope-filled holiness. Like, I'm talking about sold out, consecrated. I don't drink smoke or go with girls who do. Like, I don't do any of that, and I don't look miserable. I'm not missing out. I've actually got crazy joy. I've got a sense of fulfillment deep down on the inside of me because I've encountered God. I hope there's at least one person in here tired of religion. I hope there's... I'm trying to free you from performance. I'm trying to free you from pull yourself up by your bootstraps and try to be a Christian. Jesus comes and you shall. You shall. I'm landing the plane. You shall love the Lord your God. Not optional. Millennials hate it. You're going to do it. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul. And I'm sitting here like, Lord, the bar's so high. Who could actually love you like that? But here's the mystery of the gospel. The very love that He requires is the very love that He'll give you if you'll just receive it. See, holiness, it's a, it's a double-barrel shotgun. There's a standard of holiness in one barrel, but the other barrel is the standard is Jesus. If you've got Jesus and you encounter him, you'll live holy. But if you're just, well I got to get rid of this and I got to I got to obey and I got I got and you're just running around. No, no. No, please. Folks, I, I, I sense tonight, some of us are, are parenting. We need to start questioning what we're doing. Some of us, we're, we're literally, we're parenting the wrong way. We're just trying to discipline the disobedience in our kids without ever connecting at their heart. When there's sin in our lives and there's shortcomings, there's more than just God wants to, you know, break you over the head with a two-by-four, whatever. Not Him. He wants to come and encounter your heart in such a deep and profound way. We just put your, your hand over your heart tonight. God, I'm just asking even now that you begin to massage. God, that you would begin to make yourself real to a generation. God, I thank you that there's power tonight To deliver people in here from impurity. He's lovely. He's beautiful. He's matchless. He's glorious. There's no one like our God. He's patient. He's kind. He's long-suffering. He's not rude. He's not arrogant. There's no one like our God. Lord, we give you our excuses tonight. All the reasons why we can't do what you're asking us to do. I just hear God saying tonight, I'll take any kind of wood, I'll take dry wood, wet wood. I'll take you in any form, in any state. You feel close or you feel far away. You feel like you're doing the right thing or you feel lost. I'm just asking you to take a step forward. Father, release an oil in this place of love sickness upon your bride. God we're asking for affection based obedience It'll only take you so far I Just feel like many of you you need to take a deep breath going to learn how to serve from love not for love going to learn how to release our finances to the lord not not because we're trying to earn his love but he's so good how could we not god i ask that you would break religious cycles in this room God I ask, Lord, that for a holy jailbreak tonight. freedom from the religious roller coaster. God, we decree a jailbreak over the American church. God, we sound the alarm and we cry out, you might have tried church, but you haven't tried Jesus. Oh Saints, there's a, a glorious story unfolding in America where God began to call out to his sons and daughters now is not the time to check out now is the time to check in Lord, I'm asking even right now that you would show us the gifts in our lives that we've turned into gods. Lord, show us the good things that really we care more about than you. David said, surely goodness and loving kindness are following me all the days of my life. He's not coming to crash your party. He's coming to start the real one. You have made known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. There's more. There's more. Our bridegroom is coming and taking us by the hand. He wants to walk with you. He wants to talk with you. It's this reality that delivered me 17 years ago from looking at inappropriate images. Like it it wasn't a fear of going to hell. It it wasn't another preacher shouting and yelling. It was literally a present awareness that Jesus Christ is with me always. And whatever I choose to watch, He's going to watch too. And there was no way I was going to stare at that picture if he was going to look too. There was no way I was going to do that with that person in that car. There was no way I was going to drink that in that bar. There was no way because I knew that he was with me and that he loved me. Folks, I'm all about the standard. I'm all about the fierce and the, the loyal and the commitment. But if it's not born in intimacy, if it's not sustained, I love to call it a burning hot love affair with Jesus. But it takes intentionality, right? You find your marriage is in a rut. It's getting stale. You've got to do something different. You've got to make time. You've got to shift a schedule in order to create an atmosphere where you and your spouse can connect on a deeper level. Am I talking to anybody? A lot of times when our walk with Christ gets dry and it gets stale and you, you feel that Well, folks, maybe the 365-day year of Bible isn't for you. Like, it's okay if he says, read John 14 for six months, nothing else. It's okay if you just learn how to encamp around his presence. It's okay. I tell people, well, how do you know what movie to watch or not? Oh, I'm aware of His presence. And when that awareness of His presence dwindles, I'm shutting the movie off. You always know when people are bound in religion by how they repent. People that are bound in religion repent for breaking rules. People that are in a relationship Repent for breaking his heart. This is what delivered me. I began to walk in a level of freedom from sin and gifts. Not because I was afraid of breaking rules, but I didn't want to hurt dad's heart. How we doing? He loves you. Would you just bow your heads with me? We love you, Jesus. encourage you just to say I love you Jesus sometimes I, I say it as many times as till I really believe I mean it I love you Jesus I'm so grateful for the love and the affection that you've poured out for me. If you're here tonight and you're struggling you're ready to to get off the roller coaster. Just see oxygen from heaven. It's time to breathe. time to find stability and intimacy if that's you I just want you to stand if you want off the roller coaster if you want the cycles broken if you're zealous in one season and then you're stumbling in the next and it's just you, you're stuck in a maze You're free from watching images one month and then you're trapped the next. If you want freedom tonight, it's available in Christ. Come on, just just pour it out to Him. Talk to your Father. God, there's got to be more. God, there's got to be more for a generation than three songs and a nice message God there's got to be more there's got to be more than fitting God into my life and hoping I'll make it to heaven one day there's got to be more God there's got to be more This can't be it, God. This can't be what you died for. Let the glorious bride arise. She's coming. He's coming, but she's coming too. He's coming, but she's coming too. There's going to be a wedding. It's the reason why I'm living. Come on, Lord, we just give you all inferior pursuits. We give you ministry addiction. The craving to network and rub shoulders and talk about stuff that has nothing to do with eternity. God, I'm just asking for a fresh anointing that You would mark this generation with eternity. The songs of the bridegroom are coming. There's going to be worship songs sung in this hour that literally seek to allure the bridegroom to come and get the bride. There's going to be a fresh emergence of messengers who are not here to build their ministry. They're here to prepare the bride to meet the bridegroom. Come on, there's going to be a deliverance From sports and entertainment and movies. There's a holy imagination, a fascination. Catch us up, God, in your story, all my life for your glory. Come on, just pray it with me. Lord, put us anywhere. Lord, it doesn't even matter anymore. It doesn't even matter what job and how much money and, and what to do next. Lord, I'll, I'll do anything. Just put Your glory in me. Lord, I just want to see Your beauty, God. Oh God, I just want to see Your beauty. have a prayer language, just begin to pray in the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit. He takes us deep in God. He's just escorting you. He's just escorting you. Come on, there's a groan. There's a real groan for eternity. Oh God, release it in the earth, God. Oh, oh, there's got to be more, Lord. Oh, there's got to be more, Lord. Come on, just 30 seconds. Just release that groan. Oh, God. Encounter our hearts tonight, Lord. Jesus, we want to see You. Oh, i just i feel something's about to tip something's about to tip we're about to just transcend into a a beauty realm just lift your voices come on holy spirit's gonna take us there let the scales let the veils fall Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Lord, open up Your beauty over America, God. Let the beauty of Jesus be unveiled to a generation. Ba ba ba, ba, ba. Shandara, ba, ba 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 Oh! Come on, he's here. He's available. He's willing. We're not going to walk out of here the same. Come on, let's sing it.